Hello, friends. This is IT Business Podcast for July 13th, 2022. Hello, friends. Uncle Marv here with another episode of the IT Business Podcast. For those of you that are new to the show, this is the podcast for IT business support where we talk about products, stories, and tips. And if you're an MSP or an IT consultant or even a computer repair shop, my job is to help you run your business better, smarter, and faster. We also provide you with some news of the uh, IT industry. And we share great Florida man stories, and uh, we will do so again this evening. Tonight, we are going to be continuing a conversation that started last week when I had my good friend Bradley Gross on, and we're going to talk about one of the things that I brought up and then he interjected his opinion on about uh, job quotes and statement of works and estimates and talk a little bit about the differences and what I've been doing to make changes in the way that I do them. And I think we're going to probably do that as the entire show tonight. I do have some other things, uh, one of which is that I have been working my butt off doing iPad mobile device management activations. For some of you that have been following the show a couple of weeks ago, I think it was, maybe two or three weeks ago now, I bought a Mac, actually a MacBook Air, and the reason that I had to get that was because we needed to convert 50, I think it was 52, existing iPads for one of my clients that is a medical office, and they now need to be HIPAA compliant and have those things properly managed, so they had purchased them themselves off of Amazon or eBay or something, and they weren't done through the Apple uh, deployment program. So in order to add existing iPads to mobile device management, you can only do that through the Apple configurator, which you have to have a Mac device to do. So I did get that a couple of weeks ago. We started doing them this week, and it has been fun. And uh, I'll go ahead and tell you a little bit about that. I want to say thank you for those of you that are joining me live. This is the weekly live show that I try to do every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. We stream live on YouTube and the Facebook. I also would like to thank people that have joined us. Uh, This is an event over on LinkedIn. So I want to say thank you to those people as well and hope that you get something out of the show. Feel free to comment in the chat if you have questions or if you have comments, if I say anything wrong, but uh, I know that my good friends John and Tom probably will do so. So thank you for joining. This show is presented by our good friends over at NetAlly. NetAlly is the number one ally of network professionals around the world. They provide you with multi-technology all-in-one handheld network analyzers and tools that enable engineers and technicians to get more done faster. And uh, I also want to throw in one little thing. I uh, will be flying up to, well, I probably shouldn't say because I don't know what 
what I'm legally allowed to say, but uh, somebody engaged me to be uh, involved in a network assessment where I have to fly out of town. And so I decided to send in my etherscope just to kind of get it checked out. It was making a little fan noise. It was having a little bit of issues when it would uh, reboot in safe mode and stuff like that. So if you have net ally care uh, with your products, you can send it in and they'll fix everything and clean it up. I sent it in last Wednesday. I actually overnighted it to uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado. The gentleman got it on Thursday, asked me a couple of questions, said he'll take care of it. I didn't even get the notification, but it came back to me on Friday. So that was a very quick and very nice turnaround. They replaced the fan inside. Uh, they cleaned up the buttons. Apparently, the, the buttons were a little sticky. No, I wasn't drinking soda around it, but uh, they did a great job in cleaning that up. So rest assured that if you have one of these products and it is under warranty or you have the Ally Care product with it, they will take care of you. So very good. So our video portion of the live show is also presented by Computers Done Right, a managed services providing a managed services company providing IT support and management in Venice, Florida and surrounding areas. They do computer repair, virus removal as well as website design and social media marketing. For all your computer repair needs, go to www.computersdoneright.com. And I should also say that I should give a quick shout out to my good friends over at MSP Unplugged. Uh, John Dembinski uh, is a Florida man here, and he reminded me that I need to always say thank you to those guys. Paco and Rick over at MSP Unplugged will be hosting TechCon Unplugged this September 16th through the 18th in Chicago. This is a conference where you can join like-minded business owners for a weekend-packed with resources to help your IT business thrive. Hear from the experts and get one-on-one time with peers facing the same challenges. Walk away with concrete action items to take your business to the next level. So head over to techconunplugged.com, get your tickets, sign up for your hotel, and if you put in the discount code ITBP75OFF, you will get $75 off the ticket price. I hope you guys are doing that. I don't. Nobody's called me or written me or said anything. Hey, Marv, I used your discount code. I hope you're doing that. But uh, that is going to do it for our announcements. Let's go ahead and get into our topic. And I should say, this is one of the few times where before I did the show, I actually got feedback from people that reached out uh, either by the Facebook, the Messenger, um, sliding into my DMs or whatever they call it, uh, saying that this was a great topic. And I mean, it's it's not even as close as my clickbait topic from a couple of weeks ago, but uh, people said it was a good topic and I got some feedback and I even got somebody that said, you know, you should listen to Bradley Gross's podcast. His last episode was about that, and indeed it was. And I had to respond to the person that said, yes, I actually listened to it while I was editing last week's show that Bradley Gross was on. Uh, it's probably, I don't know, 1030, 11 o'clock. I was actually doing some other stuff while this show was uploading. And in my podcast, podcast catcher, up came 
Bradley Gross's later ep- latest episode of the Technology Bradcast, um, and it was oddly enough. Uh, and I'm looking for my outline to get the title correct because, well, that's just dandy. Yeah, I'll clean this up in editing probably. Yes, his last episode was entitled, quotes, how long, how detailed, how terrifying. Uh, and that was literally released the same night as my podcast from last week, July 6th. And when I actually was doing some more work to this, I actually remembered that he had done a similar podcast back in October 2020. I do not know the numbers, but if you want to go back, he also did a a broadcast that was titled, Quote versus Proposal versus S-O-W, a primer. So if you want to corroborate some of the things that I'm going to say tonight, refer back to his episode and uh, that will help. So the reason that I wanted to do a quick little follow-up on that is I was in the midst of last week, the reason that came up when I mentioned the idea that I might be firing a client, and one of the things that I was doing is revisiting all of the steps that I do when it comes to preparing what I consider what I call a job quote uh, for clients. This was a client that is not under management. Uh, We only do their backup of the data on their server, but we don't manage the server and we don't manage their workstations or anything like that. But they wanted us to replace 10 of their workstations. And these were workstations that we weren't supplying. They went and got them on their own. So I needed to put a few more lines in my job quote that we were not going to be responsible for the physical uh, performance of the machines. If you know these are going to be refurb machines, so if anything comes up acting wonky or whatever, we're going to note it right away, and we're not going to be responsible. Whereas if we were supplying the machines, we would. So I was putting together what I call a job quote and putting in some of the additional parameters um, of things like that. So when, when Bradley commented after I had mentioned that, we, we actually got to talking a little bit more about it after uh, the show aired uh, about what that means. So I thought, well, let me kind of add this to next week's podcast. So the first thing that I wanted to say is, and, and I can't say that I got this from Bradley's podcast back in October 2020. I actually had been evolving my stance over the years. And just to give you some background, uh, when I started changing from the word estimate to the word quote was actually back probably around 2000 when I was starting to do my work with attorneys. Hello, Giles. Um, And attorneys didn't like the word estimate. They wanted to either have me uh, specify exactly how many hours it would take and what the hourly rate was. And they wanted to make sure that I didn't go over my estimate because apparently that was a big thing back in that time where they would get quotes or estimates from, from places. And if it took more time than the estimate, then they would always get charged, which I mean, come on, attorneys charge all the time like that. 
But that was a big thing. And so I finally got to the point where I realized, look, I, when I quote you a job, I'm quoting you based on what I know is my process. And one of the other things that I did not want to do was give them the opportunity to say, well, if it takes you less time than your estimate, will you give us that credit? And the first year or so I actually did. And I thought, you know what? That's not right. And the reason that I realized it wasn't right was one of my clients and one of my friends at the time was a body shop and body shops were actually the first big industry that I started working with actually. And I think it was 98. I met a gentleman that worked for PPG paint and he was the representative that went around and sold the paint stuff to all of the body shops in the area. And one of the things that uh, PPP, PPG paint and other dealers were doing is they were actually bundling all of the hardware, all of the, it was weird. They were bundling, not just the paint, but they would give these shops loans to order computers and supplies and spray booths and, and all of these things. And I mean, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars that body shops would pay to the paint companies. And so Tom, the guy that was the, the rep had found me in, in this body shop and he said, Hey, I need a guy to do all, you know, my other shops. We, we don't have anybody. Can you do that? And I said, sure. So that's where I really got my jump start in my business by getting tons of body shops in the beginning. And I was sure to get paid because the paint company was paying, not the body shops. So one of the things that I learned in the auto body industry is that their estimate really wasn't an estimate. So they would quote their estimate and they would, you know, it would list all the work that was to be done, how many hours it would take to, you know, pull the bumper, put on the new bumper, buff the bumper, paint the bumper, yada, yada, yada. And all that would be in there. But when it came time to invoice it, they never went back and adjusted that estimate at all. The only thing they would do is they would save the customer the deductible sometimes by, you know, hey, I'll, you know, do this and do that. Well, that's another story. But bottom line is there were no discounts if a technician finished a car 10 hours under their estimate. Whatever the estimate was that got submitted to the insurance company and got paid that's what the customer got billed. And it was interesting because I was talking to my friends and I'm like, why do you guys call it an estimate if it's never really, you know, going to be discounted? And he goes, oh, well, the estimate was for the initial part. It was really a two-step process. So they did an estimate based on their first look of the vehicle. And then they would always have a caveat in their estimate that says, this is subject to change once we get the car in the shop and pull it apart. And the bottom line is there are a lot of times where damage to the vehicle could not be seen on the initial inspection, meaning, you know, if there was a front end collision, you know, they would see the damage, they would, you know, could open it up and see that there's, you know, the radiators messed up or whatever. But sometimes the damage went further into the frame or into the engine block or anything like that. So, their first estimate, of course, was an estimate, and then they would adjust it 
But of course, it would always be adjusted on the high side, and then it would have to be approved by the insurance company. So when I was going through this process, I started doing what they were doing. And of course, they did it to me one time because I had an accident and took it in and they didn't give me a discount. And I said, well, why am I giving them a discount if I finish a job earlier? So I started doing job quotes. And the difference between the estimate and the quote is basically an estimate is what it sounds like. It's a guesstimate of what you think the cost is going to be based on time and materials and stuff like that. Whereas a job quote is a quote. This is the cost of the job. And job quote is very similar to statement of work where you're going to put in all the details about the deliverables for the the, the job that you're going to do. So an estimate, you know, you can go back and say, well, you know, I thought it would take five hours, but it really took seven hours. So I get to bill you the, the two additional hours. And a job quote is this is the cost of the job, no matter how long it takes. So I know that a lot of people don't like doing the job quote because if it takes longer, then you're eating that cost. But the flip side is that if the job takes less, which in our industry, the longer you do your your job, the longer you're in business, the shorter amount of time it should take you to do most things. You're going to get better at it. You're going to be able to do your virus scans faster. You're going to be able to build machines faster. You're going to be able to repair faster blah, 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 blah. So things should actually start to go down in time. You should be able to diagnose faster, the better that you are. So the benefit is on a job quote, the hope is that you do take less time because you're more knowledgeable and you have better tools. So you shouldn't give them a discount because you were able to figure it out faster. That's part of the experience and part of the knowledge of our business. So Um, the estimate versus the job quote is where I started realizing that I'm giving up money. If I do an estimate and I give money back because I did a job faster. So I mentioned earlier that an estimate is really a guesstimate. Whereas a quote provides your client with an exact price for a job or project. A quote includes the final fixed price and a detailed analysis of all the costs involved with the project. So I'm going to go back and probably try to find some of the links that I had on this, because one of the things that I had been hearing from um, legal experts in the past is that quotes are actually more legally binding than an estimate. Um, Once you provide your client with a price, your quote takes on the same legal force as a contract. But I think what happened is attorneys like Bradley Gross and others started liking the statement of work phrase a lot better than job quote. And mainly because you can actually be a little bit more expressive in a statement of work. It's more of a, you know, paragraph flowing multi-page document where a lot of times we're used to estimates or quotes being a single page. So this falls into what Bradley was talking about where, you know, on his podcast where he mentioned, you know, how long should your quote be? And some people talk about it being as, you know, short as possible, but it doesn't list everything, but it should have behind it a uh, service manual or 
some other document behind it that would do all of the explaining and all of that. Um, another part that is another difference in quoted estimate is that estimates are negotiable. So in a legal framework, estimates can be considered flexible. The final cost and timeline don't have to be an exact match, which, which gives you wiggle room. So it's wiggle room for you, but it's also wiggle room for the client. And like I said earlier, if you do the job faster than your quote, if you quoted 10 hours, it would take you to work on a system, but it only took you five, the customer then can come back and say, well, you just estimated that. And obviously it was a lot less. So can I get those five hours back? So the reason you would phrase your proposal as a job quote is that a quote is basically going to be a secure cost. And the more detail you can provide up front, the more comfortable it is in a legal perspective. Now, of course, your clients will feel a little bit better about committing because they see all of the things that you're going to do. Um, The other thing with a quote is that if it's part of your regular service, regular or routine services are costs that remain stable over time. So when you see people being able to quote, say, for instance, a roofer or a tile installer, well, they'll do the quote as, you know, a price per square foot or something like that. That is kind of the same process that we can use when we're doing a job quote. An installation, for instance, the one that I'm doing there, my job quote to that customer for the 10 machines is per machine. And it's not a matter of hours. So I'm not going to tell them it's going to take X number of hours. I know that a typical process for me to install a desktop could range from two to three hours from the time of prepping the machine out of the box, installing windows, updates, getting it on the domain, installing the customer software, transferring their files and settings from the old computer So I've got my process where it's going to take me that amount of time. Of course, if I have tools like uh, a Fabs Auto Backup or Profile, uh, was it Prof Prof Wiz, Profile Wiz um, Migrator, um, if I can do them multiples at a time, um, that's going to help me. But the quote is per computer, not per hour. So that is that. And then, of course, statement of work. I think job quote and statement of work are actually pretty close in in, uh, in phrasing. The statement of work um, that you're going to hear from most people are going to be something that sets your customer's expectations. It's going to define the approach to the project. It's going to state the clear deliverables. And it's going to clarify what's in scope and out of scope. And I think that's really the only difference um, in terms of being able to say, this is all the stuff that we're going to do in this scope of work. Anything outside of that is out of scope and is going to cost extra. Sorry, I'm looking in the chat and I see that somebody had started a statement and then left it off. So Lady Di, if you are not having adult beverage and can finish your thought there, I will read that and see what you say there. So when I do my job quotes, let me give you an example of what I do. So the job quote that I did for this customer is that I'm setting up and configuring new desktop computer. 
and it's 10 computers and the cost is per computer. And, and then I do list the specifics there, uh, connect to domain and install customer software, ensure the computers can access internet and shared network drives. I list the software that the customer is going to have us install. And I do that specifically so that I can base my installation time on the software. I also do it. And there's another thing that uh, Brad and I talked about last week is when it comes to things like Microsoft office and QuickBooks and Adobe, those things have to be licensed. And because we're not providing it, I have no idea if the customer is going to provide me with the proper licensing. So I list the software out and then in my supporting document for, I actually call it a service description, um, which accompanies my job quotes. So I have the job quote, I have a service description and that service description lists everything that in everything that goes into what is a desktop installation. And I don't think I printed one out to share with you guys, and I'm not on my office computer, so I'll go by memory here. Um, but I have a, 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 it's a, this one's a two-page document that will say, here is what a typical desktop installation is. And it'll list, you know, unpacking the computer and setting it up at the customer location. Um, and the things I mentioned here, connecting to the domain, installing the software. Um, there's a, line in there that says all of the software installed must have proper licensing. And in this case, since we're not providing the machine, the customer is going to have to um, give us those licensing numbers before I even start the install. And that is specified in here that if I get there and they don't have the licenses, we're not going to start the process. And the reason I do it that way is because I'm not going to start an installation and be stuck halfway through because they either couldn't get through, couldn't do the purchase or something like that. And specifically because this customer I know already has improper software on there. They and their previous IT person were using, I'm just going to say illegal software. Uh, I don't know if he worked for another provider that had these licenses. Uh, I do know that some of the software and and I've seen the word document that has them in there. He's actually got hacked keys um, and key generator uh, codes that he listed in the document. And I said, I cannot use those. I will not use those. So I am making them provide to me ahead of time uh, this installation is actually going to happen next Monday afternoon for two of the computers, and then the other eight will be later. So uh, by Friday, uh, if I don't get them, I'm going to send him a reminder. And so Monday morning, he's got to present to me those licenses uh, or proof that he has them, or I will not be heading to his office Monday afternoon to start that process. Um, and then I have... Uh, Some other things here about transferring files. Um, I have the schedule here. Uh, In that other service description that I mentioned, uh, I also talk about all of the things that uh, what I consider our responsibilities and their responsibilities. Under their responsibilities is this licensing. Uh, Under their responsibility is making sure that we've got a place to work, that the electricity and network connections are fined. Um, that uh, users are notified 
that we are going to be working on their computer. That's the one thing I hate is trying to go somewhere and a user's like, I can't do this now. Can you come back? No. This is part of the scope of work. This is a part of the process is we scheduled this at this time for a reason, and I don't have time to just come back uh, to do this. So all of that is in there. I even added for some other stuff because I've got clients with offices out of town. I actually put travel provisions in there. Um, I've got a line in another job quote that I just did that the customer is going to pay us for travel and accommodations. Uh, And because I'm actually going to be getting on a plane to go see them, um, we're actually putting in clauses for cancellation so that if a customer cancels, they are not going to get that travel accommodations refunded because they're actually paying a deposit before I leave. Um, And if they cancel on a certain size project, there is a cancellation fee as part of that. So I'm not going to be setting aside a day or two and travel uh, without some sort of compensation. So before all of this gets done, the job quote has a signature line on it and the service description has all of that in there. And then also at the very bottom of my job quotes, I have a, a line that reads, This job quote will serve as the statement of work for this project, which is governed under the master service agreement at, and I list the URL for my master service agreement. And then, of course, they have to sign. So all of this stuff is done ahead of time. So if I was just giving an estimate, I couldn't really give all of that. But as a job quote or statement of work, um, we can get much more specific about all of that. Uh, let's see. Okay, here we go. We've got the full the full line here. So I'm going to read from the chat here, Diana. Some of my quotes will have an item that is billed as actual hours with an estimated amount of time. Okay, so yeah. So if there are places within your job where you, you have to guess, um, you can do that. And, you know, that can be something that you put in, you know, whether it's your quote or statement of work. I think probably the best example of that is um, our monthly service. Um, A lot of times we, I know that some techs like to put in, you know, you have unlimited support between the hours of, you know, 8.30 and 5 or something like that. Uh, One of the things that I do with my customers is I actually specify how many hours of support they get per month. And most of them, it's remote support. So they get, you know, for one customer, uh, the iPad customer, let's just use them as an example. They get 20 hours of support each month that they're paying for as part of their monthly agreement. Anytime I have to go on site, anytime I have to do a new installation, uh, that's an additional charge. So the remote support covers their existing desktop servers, um, their iPads, blah, blah, blah. So this, of course, is referring back to the way I do my monthly billing. It's different than a lot of people. I actually will have um, one line on my invoices that'll say, you know, monthly support for June 2022. And then I'll list out, you know, the computers, the servers, iPads or whatever. But what the customer does not see is I have two lines for that. I have my remote support cost, which is all of the costs that I've added up for my 
remote management software, my cybersecurity stuff, uh, any other tools that I use to support them. And that's one line. And that's my, my margin of 30% uh, that I put in for that. And then I put in remote support hours. For this customer, it's 20 hours. And this customer is actually an older client, so they actually pay for 20 hours at 95 bucks an hour. And that is my remote support rate for them that they don't see or don't hear unless they listen to this podcast because they might. Um, but then anything else is billed at the on-site rate. Uh, or if they have to uh, call me to install a new printer because their printer company is installing it, that is an installation charge that is above and beyond the remote support. And the understanding is that the 20 hours is not static. It's not the same. They're going to average that over a course of time. And that's the way that I do that. So the monthly service agreement is a little bit different than the job quote but it is part of the statement of work document, which is why I say that job quote statement of work are kind of the same for me. Um, But I do not use the word estimate anymore uh, when it comes to what I do. So I think that is probably all I've got pages and pages. And again, I'll put the link to the stuff that I've used over the years and coming up with how I describe my job quote um, usage instead of the word estimate. And then, of course, you can listen to Bradley Gross's podcast. I'll have a link to that as well. And why I decided to start using his company to help me put together my master service agreement and statement of work. And again, I do use statement of work for my monthly service agreements. I use job quotes for one-off projects or for clients that are not under management, but in my mind, job quote and statement of work are the same thing, but neither of them are estimates. And of course, if you have any comments and you think I've said anything wrong or you have any questions, let me know. And you can send an email to me. You can go to the website and click on the contact and send me a message and say, dude, you got it wrong or Man, thank you for that. Uh, That would be awesome um, for the links. I was trying to look at my notes here. I had written stuff more in the auto body industry and the law firms. Um, But you get the picture. That's pretty much it. All right. So let's see here. Just checking the chat to see if there are any other questions or comments. Thank you guys again for hanging out with me here. Um, Let us do this. Let's go. In the news. So I don't have a guest here to do Florida man or a random question, but I do want to talk about two news bits. So I saw today that Texas, uh, Texas drivers have been asked by Tesla to avoid charging during this record heat wave. And not only in Texas, but here in Florida, we had probably one of the it's, it's not going to be the hottest day by, by temperature, but they've started redoing the way they calculate this heat index. And the heat, temperature, and humidity today made it over 100 degrees down here in South Florida. So it was interesting that I actually saw this where 
uh, Tesla sent over-the-air notifications to drivers in Texas asking them to avoid charging their electric vehicles during peak hours of energy use. So the message from Tesla cited different peak hours, but essentially the same period, and they said a heat wave is expected to impact the grid in Texas over the next few days. The grid operator recommends to avoid charging during peak hours, which they indicated as between 3 p.m. and 8 p.m., in effort to help statewide efforts to manage demand. So this is quite interesting. If you are a big electric vehicle user and uh, you have to charge between 3 and 8 p.m. in Texas, they're going to advise you not to. But um, that was an interesting tech story. I have not yet purchased my Tesla. I don't know if I will. I'm waiting for a nice SUV model to come out, but I don't know if of Tesla is going to have what I want. I've just uh, started paying attention. Jeep has their new hybrid electric vehicle, uh, the Grand Cherokee. So I am waiting for that to have been out for a year or two to see how that goes. And many of you know I'm a Jeep man, not a van man. So I, I have been using Jeep Grand Cherokees since 2002. So 20 years Uh, I have been on the Jeep bandwagon, and I think when I go EV, it will be with a Grand Cherokee electric hybrid. And your Florida man story for tonight. A Florida man used a lawnmower in an attempt to outrun... Oh, wait a minute. I think I have pictures of this. So if you're watching the video live or after the fact, there he is. So I'll start over. A Florida man used a lawnmower in an attempt to outrun deputies who were trying to serve him warrants this past Saturday morning, according to officials. 40-year-old Dusty Mobley was ultimately tased by deputies while trying to make a getaway on a John Deere riding mower. The the officers were were attempting to... uh, Serve him warrants. He was charged with grand theft, grand theft of a vehicle, felony criminal mischief, two counts of resisting an officer, possession of a concealed firearm by a uh, felon, carrying a concealed handcuff key, possession of drug paraphernalia, and felony failure to appear in court. Now, the warrants that they were trying to uh, serve him on have to go back to January where he was actually uh, wanted in connection with a stolen boat worth about $40,000. And at that time, when the deputies were trying to serve him warrants, he drove into a swamp and disappeared to avoid going to jail. So they said he stole the boat by using heavy machinery to cut a hole in the metal building and access the boat a few days prior. So he is being held without bond at the Okaloosa County Jail. And if you want to know where that is, Okaloosa is up near our good friends App River and Zix, uh, just east of Pensacola. And that is Okaloosa County. And yes, there are swamps up there. Um. Yeah, so Dusty Mobley tried to get away on a John Deere. So 
advertising for John Deere, but not the best they could could do. So, all right, I think that is going to do it for tonight's show. I want to thank you all for hanging out and listening. Um, I oh, you know what? I should also say this. Now, I did not jump on the bandwagon uh, of yesterday and today, July twelfth and thirteenth, were supposedly this uh, big Amazon Prime shopping days. And if I had been on my game, I would have said, hey, when you shop on Amazon, use the link for the podcast because uh, what when you do purchase on Amazon, a little bit will come back to support the show. So it is, uh, what time is it now? It's 8.43 p.m. on Wednesday. So if you're watching or if you're catching this on Wednesday, you can still go to Amazon. Head over to itbusinesspodcast.com and click on the link to shop on Amazon and support the show. I don't ask for much, but uh, that's it. When you shop on Amazon, your price stays the same, but a little bit comes back to help me keep doing these shows. And that is going to do it. I want to, again, say thank you. Uh, Folks, go into the show notes and click on the links for Bradley's Technology Bradcast to go back and listen to what he had to say about job quotes versus statement of work and you can see the story on florida man and the texas tesla don't power stuff and anything else i got going head over to itbusinesspodcast.com for those of you heading to tecton unplugged in september i will see you there and uh until next time holla